Hi everyone, this is Michelle Gale. I'm so grateful you're here. And before we get started, I just wanted to share with you that I'll be launching my first ever free online conference called Mindful Parenting in a Messy World from September 18th to the 20th. We're going to have 15 speaker interviews, some of which include Rick Hansen, Susan Kaiser Greenland, Dr. Shafali Sabari. You can register at conference.michellegale forward slash podcast. Make sure to register here because I'll be sending my podcast listeners a free bonus webinar titled Big Emotions and What to Do with Them. You can also find that link in the podcast notes. And I'm also offering a four-week online course in October called Mindful Parenting, the Foundations of Practice. It'll be a weekly course focused on mindfulness of the breath, body, emotions, and thoughts. We'll have a private Facebook group and weekly practices, and it'll be recorded each time so you can watch whenever it works for you. I'd love to have you join me. You can go to my website, beamindfulparent.com for more information or just sign up to my weekly email list and you'll stay up to date on all the ways we can grow together as a community and you will also receive my weekly musings. <laughs> Enjoy the podcast. Thanks for being here. Welcome back to the podcast, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. I'm your host, Michelle Gale, and I am here today with Barry Voice, who is the editor-in-chief of Mindful and Mindful.org. And I'm really excited to share Barry and all of the resources that Mindful has to offer. Welcome, Barry. Thank you, Michelle. So happy to be with you. Yeah, really happy to have you and really happy to share with our listeners about the resources that you all have um, at Mindful and everything you have going on over there. I would love to start by having you share, how did the idea for Mindful Magazine and Mindful.org come to be? How did these things come into the world? Uh, yeah, um, I'll talk about that in a minute, but I do first want to indicate that while you're talking to me as the editor-in-chief, mm. I'm really speaking on behalf of a team, mm. and I feel it's really important to give a shout-out to to the team. Uh, my deputy editor, Claire Zimmerman, editorial assistant, Amber Tucker, and our art department, Jessica von Hondorf and Spencer Creelman, and the digital team, Heather Herlock and Nicole uh, Stephanie Talalka and Nicole Bays Fleming. Uh, um, I find it's always important to remember that um, things are done interconnectedly and as a team, uh, not solely by ourselves. So um, in 2005, I was working for the Shambhala Sun magazine and I was asked to uh, do a profile of John Kabat-Zinn, uh, the founder of mindfulness-based uh, stress reduction. Mm -hmm. And I'd been a meditator um, since I was 17. I'm 62 now. So I'd been involved uh, for quite a long time. And, um, you know, I wasn't sure about this mindfulness-based stress reduction business. Uh, I read all of John's books um, before going down there and uh, made all sorts of notes and uh, met John at his home in Massachusetts. And I just, uh, you know, hit it off 
uh, immediately. Um, I loved what he had to say. I loved his caring for people in the world that uh, everybody has stress, pain, challenges, and difficulties. And injecting a little bit of mindfulness into your life can make a big difference. And that's that, that was his mission. And by 2005, it had uh, grown uh, quite a lot. So I did the story. It did well. Um, and at the same time, um, Jim Gimmeon and Melvin McLeod, Jim was at that time the publisher of the Shambhala Sun and Melvin McLeod, the editor, um, had the notion that maybe we should uh, do some kind of media uh, property uh, having to do with uh, mindfulness. And um, we talked to John about his doing it, and he said, well, I'm, I would want to um, really have a lot of control, and I don't have the time to do that, but I give you my blessing to do it, and I'll be fully supportive. Mm. Uh, so we spent some time looking into the prospect, and at the time, there began to become began to come forward uh, uh, people who felt that um, this should be funded as a nonprofit uh, so that people with a lot of experience in, in, in writing about mindfulness, teaching mindfulness, could do it as opposed to just somebody like Martha Stewart. Now, Martha's great, but, um, you know, she wouldn't be bringing that kind of background. Mm-hmm. So... Um, the Hamera Foundation funded us um, to start uh, a magazine um, six years ago in 2012. And uh, slightly before that, we'd already started the website, mindful.org. And uh, here we still are today, trying to bring uh, mindfulness to people regardless of their background, their religion, their non-religion, their foreground, whatever they've got going on. Yeah. And it's really, you know, I love walking into the grocery store and seeing Mindful Magazine there. I think that's such an important piece. And I know you, and at least I've talked to Jim about this, Jim Gimmeon as well, that it's so important for um, for the public to see, you know, the magazine out there along with the car magazines and and, you know, People Magazine, you know, that it's there. So I'm really grateful for it to be there. Well, we had so many people coming forward once the magazine got out in the stands that saying, you know, this is so uh, wonderful to have what I've been doing uh, validated as a, as, a, as a normal kind of thing, as normal as going and buying your groceries. And, uh, you know, I can give it to my mother, uh, uh, the people at work, uh, see it at the store and you know what I'm doing is not so weird I can give it to my patients so um, you know that that's been extremely gratifying and one of the reasons we didn't just do a website because let me tell you starting a magazine in the 21st century I mean uh, competing you know once you have the internet it makes it a lot a lot more difficult but but uh, you know that having it around where people live day to day next to time magazine and car and driver. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah, it is really cool. I, I really, really appreciate it. And I do know there's, you know, you've talked about the challenges of having, you know, having a magazine. Um, and before we get too much into that, I would love to share with our listeners just really what the website and the magazine is all about. Can you and the app, I know there's an app, there's a website, there's a magazine that people can access. Um, can you share just with everyone kind of the intention of each and what it's all about and the mission of them? Uh, yeah, well, the the mission is to give people access to uh, genuine and authentic and tested uh, instruction and advice in working with their minds mm-hmm. and cultivating their own natural mindfulness, awareness, kindness and compassion and we're full spectrum if somebody just takes three conscious breaths every day or a couple of times a day and that helps them not snap at their child um that's great mm-hmm. somebody is somebody if you have a person who goes on retreat uh, three times a year and that's great too and everything in between. So, um, you know, we're not privileging any particular relationship with mindfulness practices. And, you know, we try to be very clear that it is an innate human capability and the practices are uh, something that uh, cultivate it. Now, historically, a lot of these practices have been um, in religious traditions People think mostly of Buddhism, but it's not the only tradition that that had uh, mindfulness and awareness practices. Um, but they also can work and be helpful um, without reference to uh, a religious orientation. And that's a big part of the reason we exist. Mm-hmm. Our magazine can, can be um, in publicly funded hospitals, and, and in the military and in the public square yeah. where religion, no one's religion can take um, precedence over anyone else's beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. And I was reading something recently and I may get the statistic wrong, but it's somewhere around, you know, 50% of millennials call themselves spiritual, but not religious. It may even be higher than that, but it's somewhere around around that statistic. And I know in the United States anyway, that's been on the rise more and more. You know, people call themselves spiritual but not religious. And and mindfulness seems to just fit right. You know, they seem to be rising at the same time. Would you do you find that? Uh yeah, definitely. And I mean that it, it you know part of that is that um you know religions came out of come out of um distinct cultural communities usually. Mm. And, um, you know, as the world becomes more mixed up and interconnected um, and multicultural, um, people don't necessarily want to be tied to one single tradition, Mm. while that's still valuable, of course. it's also the case that uh, mindfulness reaches beyond to even people who wouldn't describe their experience as spiritual. Um, you know, to somebody 
who's a first responder who's trying to deal with their stress, um, they may not think of it necessarily as spiritual, but they may think of it as emotional or something going on in their mind and body. Yeah, so just just managing stress or pain or, um, you know, just something like that, just coming because there's something that's uncomfortable. I mean, we often come to practice. You know, I, I teach mindfulness and, and people often come to practice because there's some pain somewhere, whether it's physical or emotional, um, something from the past, something going on now. Um, that's often, it's not always the case. Um, or they want to be better at work or, um, you know, something's going on. And, and it could just be that simple, right? They just want to feel better. Yeah, usually people have some kind of pain point or, as you note there, they feel like, hmm, I could do this better. Yeah. I could perform better. What's going on? And, uh, you know, they come with that question. And I think it's really important for mindfulness teachers, and as you know, it being one that, that you um, really listen to the experience of the person or the people you're teaching and let them guide you. Uh, that's a very big part of our philosophy here because we feel that we publish and the magazine and the website and the app on behalf of mindfulness teachers. And, you know, it's important not to feel that you're imposing something on somebody, but you're rather learning together with them what can help us all uh, improve how we work with our minds yeah. so we all get better together. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really helpful way to think about it, um, that we're all working with our minds and, and all getting better together as a community. One of the things, I know you listen, you listen to the teachers, you're listening to your um, people who subscribe to all of your um, offerings, um, what are what are some of the top reasons? I mean, on this podcast, we talk about parenting. You know, we talk about mindfulness through the lens of parenting. Um, what are some of the things that people are asking for? What are the top uh, requests that you get um, for articles and, and for focus areas? Well, it's interesting. Now, our demographic for the magazine, as you can imagine, skews uh, quite a bit older than the the median age for the website and the app. So, um, you know, we, we probably have more grandparents than we have currently raising children parents um, uh, in the magazine, you know, reading the magazine. So a lot of our parenting content um, tends to be online and of course, people who are busy parents, um, you know, they don't have quite as much time necessarily to kick back with a magazine, but they can grab a few minutes to um, uh, maybe even on their way to work to look at something on their phone that can give them some good advice. And um, in terms of parenting and, and also childbirth, uh, I've been uh, always a great admirer uh, since I met her in the around 2006, Nancy Bardicky, who uh, wrote the book uh, Mindful Childbirth. And she has something called Mindful Childbirth and Parenting. And she's um, 
very focused on what you call the perinatal period, which is uh, about from about halfway through the gestation period of your pregnancy and uh, a similar time after the baby is already born. How attentive we are during that period, it turns out scientifically uh, has incredible effects on the rest of the lives of uh, the parents and the child. In mindful childbirth and parenting, people take a Lamaze-like class that involves the partner and the, the grandparents if they're interested. And everybody tries to bring a little mindfulness to the whole event. Uh, you know, it doesn't make the pain of childbirth disappear. Um, but it, it does tend to, Nancy finds, gets the, helps to get the parents to remember, oh my God, that, this is what's really important in life. You know, we're about to bring a being into the world. Mm. And, um, you know, that's just a great application of, of mindfulness that, you know, the kindest thing we can do for ourselves is to pay attention. Yeah. And when we pay attention to our bodies, such as in childbirth and the people are immediately around us and to our children, love and caring and warmth um, automatically come along with that. So this is a huge interest of ours. Mm. And we see increasing interest on the part of parents and also in terms of, of teenagers and teenage empowerment. That's a huge topic area for us. Uh, I just went to see a mindfulness program in the Portland, Oregon high schools where in almost all of the high schools in Portland, there is a four credit course called mindful studies. Wow. That's offered by a, a nonprofit organization called peace in schools. Mm. And it's just wonderful to go into those classrooms and see what a little bit of mindfulness does for teenagers um, who are at this incredible stage in their life where they're both trying to uh, distinguish themselves and separate off and connect. And they just bounce back and forth between those two things. And, you know, if they only have social media, uh, it can be awfully punishing. So this is a big, big area um, where mindfulness can make a difference. It can empower teens. You know, if you look at the, um, you know, Emma Gonzalez and the, you know, what's been happening with the Parkland, after the Parkland shooting, we need our teens to be empowered. So some other areas that are of great interest are uh, habits and how many of our health issues, both physical and mental, are habit-driven. Mm -hmm. And mindfulness, Judd Brewer's been doing incredible work, and um, 
there's a teacher named Hugh Byrne who wrote a book on habits. Um, my, the, they demonstrate that mindfulness can be an interrupter in the cycle of uh, mental reward that forms our habits. Mm-hmm. So you can notice when you're looking for that reward of eating a half of of a chocolate cake, <laughs> and, and you can it you can have that be interrupted. So maybe you end up just having a little piece of chocolate cake, and that's a little bit of mindfulness. Yeah, um, so we just did. Uh, if you look on our website, we have something called "How Mindfulness Works." to break bad habits. Mm. And it's a fabulous graphic that we did together with Judd Brewer about habits. We also know from talking to public health people at insurance companies that the disease conditions like diabetes and addiction and and, uh, smoking and um, overeating, um, these are um, habit-driven and there's lots of uh, health coaching techniques to help with that. But now mindfulness can be an addition to those health coaching techniques. Mm-hmm. And these are often, not, these are not people who are necessarily going to go to a meditation center. They just need something like three conscious breaths to remember to check their blood sugar. Yeah. Uh, I have some others here if you'd like me to go on. Yeah, I would love to hear others. And also I will say um, from what you said earlier, you know, um, I get Mindful Magazine <laughs> and I love it. I'm 46, <laughs> about to be 47 and I love it. And I know a lot of people, you know, in my, in my generation who, who do, who do subscribe and I'm encouraging, you know, everyone is listening who I think is somewhere in the generations around me that it's just a wonderful thing to have around. And I bought it for family members and I bought it for, you know, as gifts and, and everyone I've, you know, bought a subscription for has always been so appreciative and they love having it around and you can pick it up and read something in a short amount of time. And there is parenting content from time to time in the magazine, but there's also all of the things that surround parenting, you know, how to manage our stress and, you know, when you need help with sleep and, you know, all the things that you, you have offered in there support the parenting journey. So I'm just putting an extra little plug in there for our parents well, listening because I love having a magazine around. It makes me so happy. Well, thank you. I mean, it's true that, that, uh, you know, the content, um, almost all of it is applicable to to what we go through as parents. And I'm a parent, a grandparent, and, um, you know, mindfulness has made a big difference in my life. So, um, you know, we're really inspired to share anything that will help people. Um, and, you know, some of the other areas that are of particular interest these days, another one is mental health that – um, you know, there's a lot of folks who have um, anxiety and depression issues that are what you'd call subclinical. Um, you know, it's not quite to the point where they necessarily need treatment, but it could it could get there. And our 
mental health systems will never be robust enough to help uh, everybody. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so mindfulness is a way to help lots of folks with mental health issues um, on their own with a little bit of help from programs like mindfulness-based cognitive therapy and or a therapist. Um, so I just think uh, anxiety and depression and mood generally is, is a really important area. Mm -hmm. uh, chronic pain and pain in general, working with pain mm -hmm. um, is an increasingly important area. And the needs of of all the people in uniform service who help us. And I, I want you just to think of anybody who's in a uniform, uh, doctor, nurse, uh, firefighter, police officer, um, you name it. Um, those jobs, those people are doing that on behalf of us. They're taking on enormous stress on behalf of us. And increasingly, they're finding uh, practices of uh, mindfulness and awareness, uh, helping them incredibly with uh, working with their central nervous system, because mm -hmm. they so frequently uh, have their adrenaline spike because they're responding to something, and you know it just bounces up and down, and that's really tough. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I've, I've read quite a bit on you guys. Have highlighted. Uh, a lot of people in service uh, professions in the magazine and online. And I always appreciate that. There's just so many people out there, you know, really causing like mini trauma to themselves every day in the work that they do, you know, living in this kind of fight or flight, depending on what they're, you know, what work they're doing. And um, particularly we had the fires up here and in Northern California. And um, I know there were quite a few people going up and, doing work in those areas. Um, actually, I, I don't know where I read it, um, but they said the response here in Northern California, they'd never seen anything like it. I mean, there were just, I'm not sure if anybody's done a story on it. I maybe read it in the paper, but there were just so many um, people from helping professions up there. There was like a huge camp that opened up near the fires in the Napa, Santa Rosa area. And there were you know, people giving massages and um, doing all different kinds of like health support, um, like alternative. There were people with, you know, um, tinctures and, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for when you smell the aromatherapy. And, yeah, aromatherapy yeah. and just all of these different um, ways to support the people that were there. And um, they said they'd never seen anything like it. So I think that there really is this, just this need in our culture to kind of come together in a more intentional way and support, you know, support particularly people who are in service and, and, and mindfulness practice and the things that you share are so relevant to all of that. Yeah, very much so. That's well said. I, I think, you know, if these folks are experiencing trauma on our behalf. Yes. So we need to reach out and, and uh, as I say, learn together with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a shared, interconnected uh, responsibility. Yeah. Um, 
So a few other things I'd mentioned, I would mention is um, we're very, very interested in uh, bias and uh, discrimination, exclusion, racism, mm -hmm. um, gender bias, uh, sexual orientation bias, and uh, divisions uh, between people according to ideologies. And um, anything mindfulness can do to help us uh, understand the deep-seated ways that we um, create separation from other people and and don't um, come to understand our connectedness. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, a message for parents, you know, that I know you're kind of pointing more to the greater society. Um, really, there's so much of that that goes on in parenting, particularly you're parenting. You're talking about teenagers and I have a teenager and um, been getting a lot of requests for content, you know, in my podcast and the work that I'm doing around teenagers. I'm interviewing uh, Jessica Mori from IB Navy. We're doing a podcast together in June. And, um, around parenting around teenagers because there is this separation that starts to go on you know as you were speaking i was thinking of that parent-child dynamic and there is this separation because the teens naturally as you mentioned earlier they're trying to pull away but they're also trying to find themselves and and i parents can really get into this loop of you know i'm we're separated now you know that connection is lost it just it's changing and it needs to change it's meant to change um, but I think it can, you can, it's easy to slip into that place of I've lost them. Yeah, you know, that's very poignant. You know, um, repeatedly when teenagers are interviewed, they say they want uh, love and attention and warmth from their parents. Mm. But what they're also saying there is they don't want uh, over control and, um, you know, they, they need a way to find themselves. So that, that kind of a gentle stewardship, um, you know, one of the things we talk about in mindfulness, uh, having a light touch and, uh, you know, it's like the grip of a baby on your finger. Um, you know, having that kind of a stewardship and relationship with your mind in the world, you know, that's particularly important um, when you're working with a teenager who's whom you can learn from as they begin to uh, separate themselves from your world, but they, they still want that connection. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you think about it, their horizon is so much different from yours. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can learn together. I love that thing of, you know, the idea of, um, walking and Jessica talks about this, Jessica Mori. So if you walk side by side with somebody or drive, you know, you look out together rather than, you know, you have to be, um, uh, so strongly focused on each other. It's, um, if that makes any sense, you know, it does. It really does. And, and it's, there's a lot of change and, um, and it's, it's being with that change in that in the way that the relationship is changing. It's not going to be the same relationship that it was before. And I think mindfulness can support us so much in 
being able to ground within ourselves and to see that change happening and to be able to ride that wave, you know, and it comes and goes. I find with my teenager, you know, there's this push, pull, push, pull. It's like we're in this dance and, um, and I will always tell, you know, I, I annoy him so much more. Like all of a sudden in the last year, and there's all these annoying things that I do apparently now that he's pointing out. And I prepped myself for that. And I'm like, this is going to come, you know. And by the time it came, I was, you know, finding it kind of humorous. And so when he'd tell me these annoying things I do, like I sing when I talk apparently. It's very annoying, Barry. It's very <laughs> and, and so I'm like, I do? Do I? He's like, you do. I'm like, oh, I'm going to notice. I'll see if I can notice that. You know, instead of, you know, that's, that's a criticism. Why are you criticizing me? Well, you do annoying things too, right? Like how quickly could it go to that? Not that my mind won't potentially go there, but hopefully doesn't usually come out of my mouth. And, and so we just roll with like, that's just part of him saying, I'm separate from you. That's all that it is. And I need to feel separate from you. And I'm going to feel separate from you by telling you you're annoying. Well, it's great that you can at least some of the time feel it as a dance because, you know, if you try to reject that push-pull and make it go away and think that it's wrong, you're going against the the nature of how things are, you know. What if when baby birds tried to get out of the nest, you know, the the mom says, no, that's that's not possible or, you know. Uh, you know, it's just the way of things. So one other thing I would say, which is a good segue, is that uh, of the last trend I would talk about and big area of interest of ours is uh, nature and space mm. in your in your life, and that relates to bringing back more nature and wildness into our lives. To um, uh, pay attention, therefore, to how we use our devices um, so that we're not completely ruled by a technological world. And also, you know, how we set up our spaces, our, our houses, our streets, our cities to um, promote uh, openness and togetherness, you know, to clear out the clutter in our homes and then the clutter in our world. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a big interest of ours, uh, continually. Yeah. And, and I know, uh, um, Mark Coleman does a lot of work around that. I think it'd be completely. Yeah. And he's, Mark's going to be doing something with us, uh, in the next couple of months. We've just done a thing on mindful camping that'll be, be coming out in, um, in late June. Um, but later on, we're going to have Mark come and, and do something about his, uh, what he calls awake in the wild. Um, so I'm very uh, excited about that. Well, we are uh, shockingly just about out of time, Barry. So I want to make sure that we um, share with the listeners all the ways they can find you and reach you. Um, I know there's the magazines, there's mindful magazine that you can subscribe to or find in you know many grocery stores. Uh, or bookstores, wherever magazines are sold. There's also the website. It's mindful.org, Barry. That's correct? Yeah. That's right. Okay. And and we have a mindful app uh, now that is essentially um, gives you access 
to the magazine uh, and the website in various unique ways that are very mobile friendly. Uh, so in, I encourage people to, uh, to write to us at mindful at mindful.org. Tell us what you think, what you're interested in. And, you know, we'd, we'd be delighted to, um, to hear from you and open up a dialogue. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would lastly say that, that it's very important that we're a nonprofit and that creates great challenges, mm -hmm. but, um, in terms of funding, but it's, it's, it's key to us that we're mission oriented because there's nothing, no greater responsibility than to give somebody advice about how they work with their mind. It's not like selling somebody a pair of sneakers or even a phone. Um, so it's important that there's a deep commitment to integrity. All the mindfulness teachers we publish on behalf of have that kind of deep commitment. And that's what we try to represent to the world. And, and please keep us honest in trying to do that. Yeah, thank you. And if anyone happens to be listening who has uh, connections with funding that would like to fund something like Mindful and the magazine and the website and the app, you know, please do reach out to them or reach out to me. I'm happy to, happy to put you in touch. And Barry, I just want to thank you for me. And I know um, all of us in this world that swim in these waters of mindfulness that we're just so grateful for all of the work you and your team do there to bring this into the mainstream, to hold it with integrity, to um, to just you know bring the latest the latest content to stay up on what's going on and keep all of us updated on what's going on out there. I'm just I'm grateful, and and I know. There's so many that are grateful to the work that you do. So thank you. Well, thank you, Michelle. And thanks to all your listeners and good luck with uh, your work. Thank you. Well, we'll say goodbye to Barry. Say goodbye to our listeners. May you meet this moment fully. May you meet this moment with kindness towards yourself and others. Thanks for listening to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. Michelle's new book, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, Living with Presence and Parenting with Purpose is now available at Amazon and at mindfulparentingbook.com. Get your copy today.